The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And the text is the first two verses, but we will really consider the whole psalm in the preaching this morning. We consider this passage especially with a view to the new year and the confidence we have having the Lord as our help in this coming year. Psalm 121, a song of degrees, and I'll explain that shortly. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. The, the text is verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 121 is a pilgrim psalm. In the title, we read... A song of degrees. Now that means that this psalm was sung by the people of God as they made their pilgrimage from the villages and the towns and the countryside around Jerusalem as they made their pilgrimage to the capital city of Jerusalem to keep the different feasts that the Lord had given them throughout the year. Psalms 120 through 134 are all given this title. All the psalms in this section of the Psalter were songs that were sung by the pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem. And the idea of that title, a song of degrees, is this. That as the pilgrims from around the countryside went to Jerusalem, they quite literally ascended. They quite literally went up in elevation to the capital city. Jerusalem, remember, was built on a mountain, Mount Zion and Mount Moriah and other hills as well. And from Jerusalem, the land sloped down in all directions so that no matter what direction you came from, you were quite literally going up to Jerusalem when you made your pilgrimage. You might say step by step or degree by degree, the people made their way up to Jerusalem. And that's where you get the the title, a song of degrees, going up by degree to Jerusalem. Now, as we read verse 1, you might have noticed that there's a difference in language between what the King James has and what we sang earlier in the worship service. In verse 1, we read, 
I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. That's a statement. In the Psalter, the language we used when we sang this at the beginning of the worship service, it's put in the form of a question. To the hills I lift mine eyes, whence shall help for me arise? So it's, it's not put in the form of a statement, but the form of a question. In fact, that's how all the versifications of this psalm put it in our Psalter. And that's how many other Bible translations put it as well, as a question. And the issue really is this. In verse 1, what are these hills unto whom, or unto which the psalmist lifts up his eyes? According to the King James, the idea is this. I lift up my, hill, my eyes to the hills of Jerusalem. I lift my eyes to the hills where the temple of God is and the palace of the king is. And that's where my help comes from, from the Lord who, who dwells in the temple at the top of the hill in Jerusalem. I look up to the hills right in front of me to Jerusalem as I make my pilgrimage. And that's where my help comes from as I continue on my pilgrim journey. According to the Psalter, and according to other versions, the idea is more like this. As I am on my pilgrim journey, I look at all the many hills that surround me on either side. And I look at the hills that I have to climb. And, and I look at all these hills and I, I see them as all kinds of obstacles and dangers in my way. There might be robbers and bandits hiding among these hills that are ready to pounce on me and rob me. And the question comes, where does my help come from? Mine eyes are lifted up to the hills, and I'm asking, where does my help come from? And then verse 2 answers the question, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Well, the language can really go either way. It doesn't really matter which reading we take. The meaning of the text remains the same. God is our sure helper and protector. The reason we look at this psalm this morning is because this is also what we must do throughout this coming year. As the year has just begun, we should be reminded of, of this reality. We are pilgrims, just, just like those Old Testament saints heading to Jerusalem. We are pilgrims. And we're heading to Jerusalem as well. Not the earthly city of Jerusalem, but to the heavenly Jerusalem. That city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And as we continue our pilgrimage through this coming year, we must also do what those saints did in the Old Testament days, as a type and a shadow of what we must do today, we must look to the Lord for our help and our strength. So we look at this passage this morning. We take as our theme, the pilgrim's confidence for 2023. His help comes from the Lord. We first look at the pilgrim's journey. Second, we look at the pilgrim's struggle. And then finally, we look at what the pilgrim's confidence is for the year that lies before us. As I said, this psalm is a pilgrim psalm. What is a pilgrim? I can't help here but think about Pilgrim's Progress, the, the well-known book by John Bunyan and of Christian as he makes his way from the, the city of destruction to the celestial city and, and all the things he encounters along the way. He was a pilgrim. And just so, we are pilgrims. What is a pilgrim? Well, a pilgrim is one who's on a journey. And a pilgrim is one who's focused on the journey. 
He's one who has set out on a particular pathway. He's got a particular destination in mind. And he's walking on the path that will bring him to his final destination. A pilgrim, then, is not some mindless wanderer. A pilgrim is not a vagabond. A pilgrim is not someone who's lost. Quite the contrary. The pilgrim knows exactly where he is going. He is eager to get there, and he's always focused on the destination. And exactly because he's focused on the destination, when he travels, the land that he travels through is exactly that. It's merely land that he's traveling through. He's not at home there. He doesn't want to stay there in this land he's currently in. And the things that he sees along his journey, they do not ultimately satisfy him because all the time his heart and his soul and his mind are set on his destination, arriving at his home, his destination. Now that word pilgrim, in a sense, exactly describes the Old Testament child of God as he would make his way to the city of Jerusalem and to the temple. Imagine, beloved, A child of God in the Old Testament making his way, let's say, from the tribe of Naphtali, way way in the north of the the nation of Israel, making that long journey from the tribe of Naphtali all the way down to Jerusalem. Well, that would be a, a journey of some 80 miles or 130 kilometers. And that kind of journey would probably take him about a week to walk, depending on his health and depending on who he was traveling with. And it would be a journey that would require some forethought. It would require some planning. It would require some care and time and strength. But as that pilgrim now sets out on his journey, he doesn't go out dragging his feet. He doesn't go out lollygagging. But what he does is this. He sets his eyes in the direction of Jerusalem and he begins walking with determination and purpose. And as he walks along the way, perhaps he comes along those who refuse to go along with him and who mock him for making the long and in their eyes tedious and pointless journey to Jerusalem. I think Psalm 120 kind of captures that. I think when you look at my understanding of these pilgrim psalms is that there's kind of a chronological order in them starting from Psalm 120 all the way to 134. Uh, It recounts the history of the pilgrims so that they would sing these psalter numbers, these songs, in order from the start of their journey all the way to the very end of their journey with Psalm 133 and 134. So as he begins his journey, he he perhaps comes across those who refuse to go along with him. And as we know, there were many who did not go to Jerusalem to keep the feasts. In fact, there were many years when the feasts weren't even observed in Jerusalem. Jerusalem because the nation as a whole was turning away from the Lord. And, and the pilgrim, interacting with those kinds of people, ignores them and he passes them by. He keeps walking. And then he also comes across others who are walking along that same path. And they tell him that they are going to Jerusalem to worship the Lord there as well. And he rejoices in that news and he makes them his companions. And they care for each other. And they share their time with each other along their pilgrim way. As he walks, the pilgrim is able to see the hills surrounding the city of Jerusalem. And and he lifts up his eyes towards those hills. And he's encouraged. He's arriving. He's getting closer to the city. And then as he continues to walk, maybe there on the horizon, he begins to see the hill itself. Mount Zion and Mount Moriah, the royal city of David. 
And as he lifts up his eyes to see the royal city, his heart is filled with longing and joy. That's where he longs to be, Jerusalem, to be in Jerusalem again for the feast. That's where he will get to offer his precious lamb that he's carrying with him along this arduous journey. That's where he will be able to give the Lord his thank offerings. That's where he will be assured through the types and the shadows of the high priest and the blood of the lamb. He will be assured of the forgiveness of his sins. He sees the sacrifice being made, the substitute, so that the punishment due unto him falls upon the lamb instead of himself. That's where he enjoys peace. And that's where he hears the priest's words of blessing fall upon him as the priest comes out of the temple, raises his hands, and blesses the people. That's where he enjoys the fellowship and the nearness of his God. That's where his heart and his soul and his mind are fixed upon that holy city of his God. That's what it was for the pilgrim and his journey to Jerusalem. Now we understand today in the New Testament that all these things are written for our example and for our learning and instruction. All of this is a a type and a shadow, a picture for us and our spiritual journey today. We are pilgrims too. We are those on a journey. Last year, we were walking along this journey, this pilgrim, pilgrimage, and this year, we continue on this pilgrimage. We are those who, by the grace of God, have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are those who have been made God's peculiar treasure, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are those who've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit brought out of spiritual death into spiritual life. We've been made believers. And we enjoy the beginning of eternal life already now. And exactly because these things are true, because we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and we have the beginning of eternal life, we've been put on a pathway. Our citizenship is no longer here below. Our citizenship has been translated. We are citizens of heavenly kingdom. Our home is heaven. There's a destination that's been marked out for us in God's grace. We have an inheritance, undefiled, that fadeth not away, that's reserved in heaven for us who are pilgrims and strangers, who've been begotten again unto a lively hope, a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we've been placed on the pathway that leads to glory. The scriptures are our roadmap, you might say. And the Holy Spirit himself is our guide who leads us, using the scriptures, who leads us along the way. And our destination, of course, is the royal city, the heavenly Jerusalem, the temple of God. And our whole life as Christians is but a journey to this heavenly Jerusalem. The year 2023 is but another year's trek along our pilgrim way. I would expect that many of us here this morning will make it to see another year, 2024. And then we enter another year of our pilgrim journey. Some of us might not make it through this year. God might take some of us unexpectedly home suddenly because our our house, our, our room in God's mansion is prepared for us. And God brings us suddenly home. Jesus comes to us to take us home. 
Others, maybe in this year, God will gently lead to the end of their pilgrimage in old age. Some of us quickly, some of us slowly. But this is where we're all walking towards. This is our destination, the heavenly city. And as we walk, we walk together as companions, as friends of one another. Young and old alike are on this walk. And we rejoice in each other's company and we are thankful for each other and we care for each other along this pilgrim trek. But what all this means also is this, that as true pilgrims, this present world, this present wicked world is not our home. That's one big difference between a believer and an unbeliever and how we live. We're ultimately not at home here below. We ultimately don't want to stay here. And the things we see here ultimately don't satisfy us. We don't cleave to the things that are below That's what the people of the world have. That's all they have is this present, transitory, fleeting life. We are longing for something better, something sweeter, something eternal, something which this world and this present earthly existence could never supply. And exactly for that reason, as pilgrims, we walk with determination. We do not lollygag. We do not drag our feet To be sure, we're diligent in our earthly callings. We desire even to excel in our earthly callings because that's part of the pilgrimage. that's, That's exactly because this is part of the pathway God gives us in our callings and stations in life. But what we do is this. We set our sights on the destination of that heavenly city and we begin to walk and we begin to labor and we begin to work with determination, with our focus on glory. Focusing on on God's glory and what serves the glory of the king, doing his will as we make our pilgrimage, and then also looking forward to that hope of being glorified and being with our Lord in glory. That's where I want to be. That's my destination, the royal city, heavenly Jerusalem, to see the high priest, to see my high priest robed in his glorious apparel, with his face shining as bright as the sun. That's what I'm looking forward to. To see the lamb who was slain, sitting on the throne. To see see him in his royal glory. To hear him with my own ears speak his blessing upon me. And to be with him in perfect communion. To be in his house. To be in his temple. To be done with sinning forever. To be done with sin, to be done with my sinful nature, this sin that cleaves to me. To be done walking and to be at perfect rest in Christ. That will be the day of glory. And so I walk with determination, my eyes fixed on that heavenly destination. That's the pilgrim's journey. Now along that pilgrim journey, there are many struggles that the pilgrim faces that might even hinder him in his determination to walk. And that was very much true, first of all, when you consider this psalm in its Old Testament context and the pilgrimage that the saints had to make to Jerusalem. Their journey to Jerusalem was a struggle from many points of view. And and those struggles are mentioned in this psalm itself. Verses 3 and 4 mention one struggle. Verses 5 and 6, another struggle. And verses 7 and 8, yet another struggle. Three struggles that are addressed in this psalm. This journey to Jerusalem was a struggle, first, from this point of view, that the pathway itself was challenging. It was a pathway where your feet might slip on the road. Just think, the land of Palestine 
is notorious for its rocky terrain and its slippery terrain, especially after a rain. Think about how slippery rocks can get after a rainfall. And so, and so your feet might slip along the way. And, and besides that, this, this pathway itself was an uphill incline. The, the pilgrim was always walking an uphill slope, generally speaking. And now you put those two things together, a, a slippery pathway at times and an uphill incline, and you can understand how the pathway was dangerous. At certain times, if the pilgrim lost his footing along the way, he could be in for a very dangerous tumble, even suffering scratches or maybe even broken bones. And maybe if the pilgrim became sleepy along the journey and his feet started to become heavy after five days of walking, you can understand how this posed an even greater danger. His feet start slipping on the rocks and, and, and the pathway becomes a challenge. These are the things alluded to in verses 3 and 4. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, to slip. Your feet might be in danger of slipping, but he will protect your feet from slipping. So the path itself was sometimes a, a tiresome and exhausting path. Second, the journey to Jerusalem in the Old Testament was a struggle from this perspective, that the climate itself could pose a threat to the people as they walked. The days could often be very hot, and the nights could often be very cold. We read of that in verses 5 and 6. Verse 6, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now that might sound weird, the, the moon shall not smite thee by nate, night, but, but these are very real dangers for God's people in the land of Canaan. Because of the hot rays of the sun, the pilgrim who's making his trek to Jerusalem could be at risk of sunstroke or heat stroke during the day. And then at night, the danger was not so much the smiting of the moon, but this is, this is poetry. The idea is the cold temperatures that are accompanied by a clear moon, right? If it's a clear night out and you can see the moon brightly shining, that means there's no clouds in the sky. And if there's no clouds in the sky, that means that all the hot air of the day quickly uh, vanishes. And so you're going to have a cold night before you. And so if the moon is shining brightly, a person in that setting could catch cold and become seriously ill because of the cold. That's the idea in verse 6. So that too was a struggle. And then third, the journey to Jerusalem was a struggle from this perspective. As the pilgrim made his long journey to Jerusalem, he would sometimes pass through valleys and pass along the river's edge. And of course, beside those deep valleys, there would be cliffs and there would be rocks of the mountains. And these places would be perfect hiding spots for robbers and for bandits to hide in. And that's, that's verses 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. And, and part of what that is addressing is this kind of evil, the, the wickedness of men who lie in wait to pounce on the pilgrim as he's making his journey. As weak and defenseless pilgrims made their way through these valleys, they were easy prey for the bandits. And in verse 7, we read, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. So the pilgrim's journey to Jerusalem was a difficult journey from many points of view. So much so that he might even become disheartened about the journey and begin to drag his feet. Or maybe even question whether it's worth making the trip at all. And that's where you get the real temptation for many of the people to not make the trip at all. 
Well, congregation, we understand again that all of these things for these Old Testament saints is instructive for us as pilgrims in the New Testament. These are written for our learning and our instruction. And these difficulties are a picture of the struggles and the difficulties we face along our pilgrimage to the heavenly Jerusalem. And perhaps the question for us for the year 2023 is this, what are the struggles that we will come across? What are the dangers that we will have to face in this coming year? Maybe some of us already know the struggles that are on the pilgrim pathway for this year because maybe those struggles have been what has marked the path for many years. Maybe you already have ongoing illnesses and afflictions of the body. You dealt with those in the last year and, and you've carried them with you into this year. Maybe it's struggling with the afflictions of old age memory loss or dementia or worn out bones and worn out joints and and arthritis so that even maybe walking itself along the pilgrim pathway now 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 i'm talking about physically that's painful we could make a whole list of the infirmities of the flesh that beset god's people maybe there are other struggles maybe you already know you have financial struggles in this year and that's a burden that the lord has put upon your shoulders along your pilgrim journey Maybe you know you will have family struggles in this upcoming year. And you know how taxing and how heartbreaking often those kinds of struggles can be. You have spiritual struggles, battles you know you will have to to fight. And those battles are the most difficult of all. Maybe it's even the struggle to keep walking this pilgrim pathway God has marked out for me. Or maybe there are spiritual bandits who who are... trying to rob you of your faith, who try to turn you from the path. Or even like Satan himself, who who tries to turn Jesus away from the path of suffering. Besides these struggles, there are the day-to-day duties, the callings that we have in our spiritual lives, maintaining godliness in our homes and families. And and that's part of our pilgrim uh, walk as well. Maintaining personal devotions, family devotions, godly habits. Maybe as parents, continuing to give myself as a, as a godly example for my children to follow. The constant battle every day against sin. Maybe it's at work. And we have challenges at work with co-workers who are a, a challenge to work with. Maybe the struggle is simply to have faithful companions along the way because it, it feels that for a lot of the journey we're walking alone. You know that there will be these struggles along your pilgrimage in this year. They were there last year and, and there's nothing new this year. And these are things that perhaps we know we will have to deal with. What about the unknowns that will come out of nowhere, we might say? The phone call from the doctor about a... A bad report. The news from the police about a terrible accident. Or the dreadful news that a loved one is veering off his pilgrim pathway and choosing to walk in sin or, or sit down along the road. Didn't Christian have to deal with that in Pilgrim's Progress? Uh, to sit down and, and simply sweet, sweetly be, be brought to sleep so that you're no longer even walking on the pathway. Or the dreadful news that, that a loved one has his companionship with evildoers and he's, he's not walking with God's people 
on the pathway? What about a particularly fierce assault by Satan upon you and your family? These things happened in the past year. They will be there in this coming year. Maybe like the psalmist, you see the very real danger for your feet to slip and fall as you're on your pilgrim way. And you might be worried about that terrible tumble as you're walking along that narrow path through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe like the psalmist, you see the danger for you to become weary along your pilgrim way and for you to spiritually begin to slumber and fall asleep and veer off the path. Maybe like the psalmist, you see the struggles that you might have to face during the heat of the day at work or at school. Maybe like the psalmist, you see the struggles that you might have to face during the, car, uh, the cold, dark hours of night. Sleepless nights, the anxiety that attacks you, and maybe everyone else is sound asleep, but there you are pacing back and forth in the kitchen. Maybe like the psalmist, you see the struggles you might have to face from the evil one himself when he comes down from the cliffside and he assaults you and he tempts you and he tries to ruin you and rob you of your longing for heaven and your determination to walk the pilgrim way. There are many struggles that the pilgrim faces along his journey. And that's true for God's people today as well. So we've looked at the pilgrim's journey. We understand what that's all about, making his way to the city of God. We've looked at the pilgrim's struggles, and and we've seen how that's mentioned, that's alluded to in verses 3 through 8. But now we need to look at one more thing that's captured in this psalm. That's really the main thing that the psalm is all about. We need to look at one more way in which this pilgrim going to the royal city is a picture for us. And that is this, the complete confidence that this pilgrim has in the Lord. He sees his journey. He's walking on his journey already. He started out. He knows the struggles that will befall him. And then he looks at it all from this perspective. He has confidence in the Lord. He sees the glorious pilgrimage. It's really a glorious pilgrimage that he's called to carry out. He's got purpose in his life. He's got a direction he's going in. He sees all the struggles. And this is how he responds right away at the very beginning of the psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I have a long journey to make. I have a difficult way ahead of me. I have struggles that I know I will have to endure. I've I've maybe walked this pilgrim journey to Jerusalem many times before. Right? Three times a year they were supposed to walk that journey. I know I will not be able to make this journey at all on my own. I will not be able to withstand the attacks of evil in my own strength. I will need help. But this is what I will do even as I start out. I will put my trust and confidence in the Lord. And in the Lord alone. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. For I have God. None other than God himself. The Lord. The one who made heaven and earth. And all creatures, I have him as the source of my help. He is my helper. The very one unto whom I am walking. The very one who's called me to this pilgrim trek. He's also the very one who will uphold me and guide me through this pilgrim journey. That's the psalmist's attitude in the Old Testament as he starts out on his way to Jerusalem. 
And this is instructive for us. This is what we must do. Even on the first day of the year, and really every day going forward throughout this coming year, we, we would do well to remember these words and do what the psalmist does. We must do what the psalmist does and put all our confidence and all our trust in the Lord. Look to the hills. Look to the hills of heavenly Jerusalem. You must know that the very one who called you to this pilgrim journey, the very one who's put you on this pilgrim journey, is also the very one who will help you and uphold you and guide you. We could even say who will carry you to the very end. Look to him. And amidst all the dangers, all the temptations for doubting and for anxiety, keep your focus on him. And keep your hope on the glory and the joy that awaits you in the destination. That's the pilgrim's confidence. Now why can the psalmist put his complete trust and confidence in God? And why can we put all our confidence in the Lord and trust entirely in Him? Well, the psalmist addresses that in this psalm and he points out a a few different things. First of all, the psalmist says, He is the Lord which made heaven and earth. This is Almighty God we're talking about. The creator who has formed all things. The one who's created the trees. The one who's created the sky. The one who's created all the planets and the stars. The one who's created every living thing. And certainly if he is the creator God who's made everything. Certainly then he's also the ruler God who governs and upholds all things. So that he's the one who's ruling over the sunshine during the heat of the day. He's the one who's ruling over the the bright shining of the moon during the cold, dark night. He's the one who's ruling even over the evil that lurks in the caves or in the cliffs. He's the one who's sovereign over every step of the pathway. And so the psalmist has confidence. Even as he starts out his track, it's, it's all under the control of the Almighty One. And just so, just as the psalmist had that confidence, we can be confident of the very same thing. He's the one who's marked out the pathway. He's the one who's ordained it. And he's the one who's ordained it and who brings you on that pathway exactly so that you as his elect child might be brought to glory. He's in control of it all. So that first of all, he's the Lord which made heaven and earth. Remember that. There's nothing outside of his control. And every evil that he brings your way, he turns it to our profit. Even the affliction. I I preached on that at Grace last week Sunday. Even the affliction that we experience, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So that first of all. But then the psalmist says, not only is God the almighty God, which made heaven and earth, but he is the Lord. And notice that word Lord is in capital letters, and I I trust that you know what that means. That means that it's a reference to Jehovah. The name Jehovah. The I am that I am. The name that he gave Moses at the burning bush. And what does the name Jehovah especially emphasize? It emphasizes that God is the eternally unchanging God of the covenant who remembers the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who remembers his covenant, his relationship of friendship with his people. He's the God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's the God who keeps 
that word. He is the rock, everlastingly the same. And that's the psalmist's confidence as he makes his trek to Jerusalem. And that covenant God of the psalmist is also our covenant God today as we go through 2023. And as we come across the struggles and trials, we must remember that name too, Jehovah. Yes, he's the maker of heaven and earth. That's a wonder that this God is in control of my pilgrim journey. But he's also my God, my Jehovah God, who is my friend, sovereign, who was faithful throughout 2022 and who will be faithful throughout 2023. And then, besides that, notice how the psalmist describes God throughout the rest of the psalm. He's the God, the psalmist emphasizes, who is always present. He's always keeping thee. He's he's never slumbering. He's never sleeping. He's never got his eye off his people. As his eye's on the sparrow, as that sparrow lights to the ground or falls to the ground, so his eye is certainly upon his precious people. Verses 3 and 4, we read, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Oh, we may become weary along this pilgrim journey. The struggles of this coming year might wear us out to the point of exhaustion. Our pilgrim feet will become heavy, perhaps at times, and we begin to slumber, but our God will never slumber. He will never sleep. Without interruption, without even any notion of being tired, our God watches us and takes care of us. Then in verses 5 and 6, we read, The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. God will watch over you. God will preserve you. I even think here of Israel in the 40 years of wilderness wanderings where they had that pillar of cloud during the day and that pillar of fire during the night, not just to lead them, but also to protect them during the day from the beating rays of the sun and protect them at night from the coldness of the night. God is the one who will take care of his people. It might be a hot day. It might be a dreadful night, but God is always there providing what his people need. And then verses 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. From all evil. Not most evil. Not especially the, the big evil, but not the small evil. No, all evil, without exception. He will preserve thee from all evil. And then he says, without limitation. Without, without a, a time limit, from this time forth and even forevermore. And then, as he points out earlier in the psalm, without interruption. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't have to go off and sleep. But, but constantly, he is preserving us. And then, beloved, especially this. This is the confidence. Remember, remember the hills where the psalmist fixes his gaze. I, I leave this to the end, but, but really, this, this, this should be the most dominant idea. So I leave this at the end so that this especially is what goes with us after this morning's service. Remember the hills to which the psalmist fixes his gaze. The hills of Jerusalem. Now, for the Old Testament saint, that included not just Mount Zion, where you saw the palace of the king, But that also included Mount Moriah, 
where the temple stood, where the lamb was sacrificed, where you had forgiveness of sins proclaimed to the people, and where the blessing of God was heard and received by the people. That's the hill also to which the psalmist is looking. And for the New Testament saint, what is the hill that we are to fix our gaze on as we make our pilgrim journey? This is chief, really, above all things. What is the hill that we must fix our eyes on? Well, think of the hill outside of Jerusalem where our Lord and Savior was affixed to the cross and who bore the suffering and the punishment for all our sins. The hill of Calvary where the high priest made the sacrifice for the sins of the people, where the lamb was slain, and where the full atonement was made, and where the blessing was also pronounced at the end of it all. It is finished. Look to that hill, beloved. Look to that hill and see the love of your God. See the sovereign rule of God, working all things in that history for the good of his people. And see there the mercy of your Jehovah covenant God who keeps the promises that he made, the promise of a savior to take away the sins of the people. There you see how your God was almighty for your sakes, sovereign even over wicked hands who crucified the Lord so that it was the fulfillment of what he determined beforehand to be done. There you see how God was sovereign even in the darkest of the valleys, the darkest of all valleys where Jesus had to walk alone through that valley of death, the suffering and death that he endured on the cross. There you see God's sovereignty and God's grace and covenant faithfulness so that your pilgrim journey might not end with that same punishment of hell, but that instead your pilgrim journey might have as its destination heavenly glory and everlasting life and joy. There you see God's covenant faithfulness. There we find peace for our souls. And if God was faithful then, beloved, if God even then gave up his only begotten son as the lamb to be slain for us, well then we can be certain that in the year that lies before us, God will be faithful to us now. So look to that hill, Look to Calvary's hill. That's where your help comes from. And then looking, in a sense, through that hill, we look up to where God is ruling and where Christ is even now at God's right hand. And that's where our help comes from, from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Beloved congregation, throughout this coming year, remember you are pilgrims and be thankful you are pilgrims. Sometimes we can speak of being a pilgrim as if it's a, a burden or a hardship. It's exactly the opposite. This earthly life, this earthly world is fleeting. It's, it's going to be rolled up as a scroll and, and perish away. We've been delivered. We're pilgrims whose citizenship is in heaven. We're on our way to a better place. Remember and rejoice in the fact that you are pilgrims and strangers. And yes, along our pilgrim journey, there will be many struggles and challenges. This year will be no different. But keep your eyes fixed on the hill. Hill, Calvary, and keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Your covenant-keeping God. He will keep you in this year. He will protect you without any interruption, without any exception. 
and without any limitation. His grace will uphold you. Go forth along your pilgrim journey, confident in the Lord and his help. And one day, sooner or later, as you faithfully walk the path God has marked out for you, and as the Lord leads you in his ways, you will arrive at the end of your pilgrim journey. I just had that this past week. I did a funeral in Randolph for a man 92 years old. And he ended his pilgrim journey. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's finished his pilgrim journey. And that's what's in store for us too. Arriving at the heavenly Jerusalem, arriving at the final destination where we will see our Savior face to face and we will enjoy glory where there's no more tears, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more danger, no more struggle. We will be at home with our Lord. The Lord who has begun a good work in you, who's put you on this path, will perform it. He will keep you until the day of Jesus Christ. May that day hasten. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the confidence that Thou dost give us at the beginning of another year, in the midst of a valley of tears and uh, a difficult pathway for those who are pilgrims and strangers. We thank Thee, Lord, for Thy constant help, Thy faithfulness, and Thy goodness to us, supplying our every need and much more. We pray, Lord, write these truths upon our hearts. Use this preaching to shape our hearts, to shape our attitudes, to shape our lives, to strengthen our faith. And we pray, Father, give us then that assurance that thou art with us. Forgive our sins and lead us 